Welcome, and thanks for checking out the Living Word Family Church Sermon Podcast. Before we get to the message, we'd like to invite you to check out Living Word Family Church if you don't already have a church home. For more information, you can check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. Good morning, Living Word Family Church. Good morning, those of you uh, tuning in from somewhere outside the building. Hope to see you inside the building soon. Uh, do, got some a couple different things planned today. Uh, most of you, I think, uh, I mentioned this last week, sent out an email last night, and, and there was a text that went out as well, uh, just kind of letting you know uh, something that was happening today about the video. Uh, I'm going to give you just a brief explanation of the genesis of that. Dad actually, uh, uh, I was out there talking to him, touching base, dropping something off, I don't know, and we were, he, he, he asked permission to share something with the congregation. Like, it still kind of strikes me as ridiculous that he thought I would ever say no. Ah, oh, sorry, I got other plans, Dad. Uh, I know how much you guys want to hear from him. I wanted to hear what was on his heart, but he wanted to just share some things in connection with the, with the 40 years. And he said, I, I promise I won't take more than 10 minutes. I said, Dad, take your liberty. You know, take the whole service. You know, we can record this to people. No, 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 I don't want to do that. I don't want to inter- interfere with anything you got planned. And I'm like, Dad, there's nothing I need to say about the fast this weekend that I can't say the following week. Well, I might, I might just, you know, I'll just, oh, we'll see how it goes, but I'll try to keep it short. I mean, don't try to keep it short. Just go, all right? So, uh, so then, sure enough, uh, you know, uh, Matt got out there this week and and uh, recorded him, and then Dad calls me. I was in, uh, I think I was in Meyer, and uh, he calls me that night. And says, uh, I, "I got it done, Scott. I apologize. I went, I went 18 minutes." I'm like, "Dad!" <laughs> it's like <laughs> the humility just blows me away. Uh, but we're, I haven't heard it yet. I have not heard what he's going to share on this video. Uh, so uh, I'm excited. I hope you are too. As we reflect on uh, 40 years of Living Word Family Church, uh, I know he's going to. He's going to reminisce, I'm sure. He's going to thank some people. And I'm going to have some things to say at the end of this. But after we watch, uh, hear, the, hear from Dad, Pastor Mike is going to share some things too. Maybe uh, just share some things on his heart and, and particular things that have touched him and what this church is, uh, what he's meant to this church and what the church has meant to them and, and many of us over these 40 years. If you are a relative newcomer, don't check out of this. Don't check out of this. There are some things that, uh, in, in, from, from Dad, I'm sure, and, and from Pastor Mike that will, that will affect you. And I have something specific to say to you at the end of this service. But let's, for now, let's just uh, enjoy and receive from what Pastor Larry has for us. Good morning, church. Happy 40th anniversary. I, uh, first of all, before I say anything, I want to thank you for the very generous Christmas gift that you gave Pam and I. We weren't expecting anything, and we were just blessed to, out of our gourds to receive that from you, and uh, very generous of you, and we thank you so much. Uh, we have been very blessed uh, over these 40 years to have had so many good and faithful people uh, to uh, be a part of this church, and we've never taken them for granted. Uh, we've just been very blessed by it. And what we have here today, and when I say here, I'm pretending more or less like I'm where you are at the moment, but what we have here today was never, (laughs) never in my mind when the Lord spoke to me uh, many years ago to go to Ramah. I was a meat salesman, and there's a long story to this that we haven't got time to go into, but I was a meat salesman, and 
through a series of events, came to know a man in Charleston who would meet me at this restaurant every, every day about when he knew when I was coming in to, to serve this restaurant. And he would be there, and he would meet with me, and he would give me a Kenneth Copeland tape every time we were there. And one day I said to him, who's this Kenneth Hagen that Ken Copeland keeps referring to? And he told me a little bit about him, and he said he's got this Bible school down in Oklahoma. And uh, when he said that to me, the Lord spoke up on the inside of me and said, I want you to go there. I knew nothing about the school. The school, at the time that he told me about it, was only three years old. And nobody that I knew, including me, had heard of Kenneth Hagin or had heard of Rhema Bible Training Center. But nonetheless, I knew that the Lord had spoken to me about that. And uh, so I went home and I told Pam uh, that what the Lord had said. And she said, basically, okay. I mean, she just went along with it. And uh, most women would have said, you've got to be kidding me, you're crazy. And, uh, and I can understand that because I've done, uh, I've read enough books on it because I taught on the family a number of times to know that one of, the women, one of a married woman's greatest needs uh, among the top five is security. She wants to have security. And, uh, and, and so here I am telling Pam, uh, we're going to have to quit my job we're going to have to move to a town that we've never been to. Don't even know where it is. I didn't even know for sure where Oklahoma was. And, uh, and we're going to have to find a, a, a home. We're going to have to find new jobs. Uh, and we're going to have to uh, put our kids in, in new schools. And we've got no extra money to take care of any moving expense or our everyday needs once we get so settled in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, until we find work. And yet Pam says, okay, had she fought it, we would not have what we have here today. And I'm so grateful for that. And, uh, but she, she loved God and she always had faith in me. Maybe that was misplaced, but nonetheless, she always did. I always said if I told her I thought I was supposed to be an astronaut, she'd go along with it. But uh, anyway, uh, and while I'm speaking of her, I want to say a little more along that line. When we started this church, our home was our office. Uh, we, we met in the gymnasium over in Ogden. Uh, there very few of us there were. Uh, but we, we met in Ogden, and there were so few of us, we were even on the stage. We didn't dare get down on the floor. There wouldn't have, we would have looked like there was nobody there. Our first Sunday, we had 80 people. Most of those were friends that came to say good luck, and then they never came back. After that, we were down to about 30 people. And uh, so anyway, our, 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 we had a place to meet over there. And, uh, but nonetheless, having said that, our office was at our home. And we did all of our counseling at the kitchen table. And when we met with people, it would be out there. When we prayed with them, when we prayed for healing or deliverance or whatever, it all took place in the evenings at our kitchen table. And our kids paid a little, little sacrifice for it. I don't want to make a big deal out of it. But those kids were not allowed, our kids, all four of them were not allowed to come into the kitchen during that time, get anything out of the refrigerator or whatever, because we're talking about personal matters of people. They couldn't even sit in the living room because you could hear what was going on in the kitchen. So they had to stay in their rooms. And then the stuff for our office was in our bedroom. And it's not as big as it is now. We had a very small bedroom. And, uh, and so 
uh, that's where everything was that had to do with the church. Uh, we had a big desk. Richard Norma had gotten a desk from the university. I think it was one of those that they were going to get rid of, and I hope so. I'm sure they didn't steal it. But anyway, they bring in this big, huge desk that Duncan and I could barely get down the hallway. One of those big, huge, old metal desks. It seemed like that itself took up a quarter of our room, but we got it in there. We also had a big copy machine in there. We had a tape duplicator in there. We had file cabinets in there, and we had paper supplies in there. There was hardly any room for bedroom stuff. And, uh, and during that time, uh, she, she was excited about things we were doing. I was too. And uh, she didn't say a thing about it. And then Pam also was our first worship leader. You know, I never brought any of this stuff. She's never said a thing. I told her I was going to say something about her, and she had a little bit of a fit, but I told her I'm the one making this tape, and I'll say what I want to say. Uh, and I do want to say this, because I never said any of this at the retirement dinner, and I, I feel like I should have. And, and uh, I'm going to say now, keep in mind, she was also our, uh, our first worship leader. She was our first musician. She played the auto harp. We did that for a couple months. She, she was my first secretary. She organized our children's ministry, which in time became awesome. She also counseled the women and, and helped me, uh, and then later on helped Mike in the counseling couples. And, uh, and I also don't want to be remiss. I would be remiss if I didn't mention our kids. Uh, Cheryl has been our piano player from almost the beginning. She came back from Eastern, and she was our piano player in our church. And then uh, later on, she became our band leader once we had instruments added to the piano. Uh, and she's basically been at that piano for four, the better part of 40 years. Scott has been involved with the youth for ever since the beginning. I remember him taking kids out, uh, I think maybe it was a Thursday morning, and he would pick up kids and they would go meet at uh, uh, a restaurant and have a Bible study and have breakfast together before school. And uh, later on, he was uh, very involved in our youth group, even though he wasn't the, the uh, youth leader at that time. And uh, Lisa has been involved with children's ministry from very early on, as was her twin sister, Lori, before she moved to Indiana. And all four of our kids were evangelists. I mean, they would bring kids, uh, the girls would bring kids from school. Scott worked at the IGA, and he'd be recruiting kids all the time. He'd, he'd be getting them saved or filled with the Holy Ghost, and they'd be coming to church and and uh, uh, we were just, you know, they were just a part of everything that we were doing. And, uh, but I've always said this, and, and, uh, and, and most of you that have been in this church for any time at all know this, uh, this church would not be where it is today at all without all of the very good and faithful people that God has brought in here and brought alongside of us. Uh, I mean, many of them, I believe, were God-called to lift my arms up and help us. And uh, many of those have gone on to be with the Lord. Some have uh, moved away. Others uh, uh, moved uh, to another church and what have you. But uh, those people were blessings while they were here. And, uh, I, and I don't want to start mentioning people because uh, I'm going to hurt feelings. And, and uh, so many key people, not even in the beginning, but so many that... that uh, came in later on that have blessed our church so much. But i got to mention a couple of families. One of them is Ken and Carol Beatty. Uh, they were with us from the start, the very start. Uh, they even went down to Raymond the first time we went down to even find out where the place was at and to, and to check it out. And uh, 
And you know, when I said Rainbow was three, uh, three years old uh, when I heard about it, uh, it was another year and a half before we went. We were ready to go right then. The Lord spoke to us, said, wait a year. We now understand why. But anyway, uh, so we were the fifth class to join down there. And uh, Ken and Carol were with us. Uh, Ken and Carol started a, a small fund uh, a few people contributed to that helped us out with some expenses when we were ready to move. And uh, Carol was our first children's teacher along with Pam, and she continued to teach in children's ministry for a number of years. Uh, and Ken, along with Richard Dumplin, was on the original board of directors, and he still serves in that capacity 40 years later. He's, he's still there. And he's been a key member and a worker in this church. Uh, I'm not sure where we would be today without Ken Beatty. I, I, I have no clue where we'd be without him. An, another family uh, uh, that I have to mention is Mike and Sandy Mack. Uh, very few pastors have ever had a more faithful assistant than I've had in Mike Mack. He was uh, a faithful helper right from the very beginning and very loyal to me right off the bat. And uh, uh, he'd never been to Bible school, but early on I began to realize there was a call upon his life. And uh, as we continued to grow, I realized the church, well, I mean, we were really growing fast. And I had my hands very full, and uh, uh, I needed to have somebody besides Pam that would help me make, uh, take a load off of me. And some of that would be in the area of making hospital calls or calling on people in nursing homes or the sick and infirmed at their home. And I simply couldn't do that. I, I, I could do it, but... I was robbing Peter to pay Paul. I mean, there was just only so much time in a week, and uh, I still continued to make calls, but not nearly like I did earlier. And uh, uh, people don't realize sometimes how much time it takes to make a hospital call. You can't always just get right in and see the person. Sometimes you have to wait, and it eats up a lot of time, and I needed somebody to do that. I never brought him on with the purpose of preaching, although we, he has certainly done that. But uh, I had Pam that could help me with that. But, boy, I needed help in those other areas. And then he jumped in and helped in so many areas, uh, uh, taking care of a lot of the physical needs around the, the uh, church. But what, what I noticed about Mike was I'd go into the hospital and see somebody, and that person would say, yeah, Mike was in here earlier today. And I began to realize he just had a heart for people. He wasn't looking for another job. He had a good job, but he just had a heart to minister to people. And uh, all that did was just confirm what the Lord has spoken to me, that there was a call on his life. He's handled a lot of the emergency phone calls that has come in where somebody has to have a pastor immediately. And he's done a lot of the funerals and uh, things of that nature. And then Sandy has been a great blessing. She has uh, done so many things around the church. She's had her hand on so many things. And uh, I don't know what we'd do without her either. Uh, just, just a tremendous blessing to uh, our church body. And then the building uh, that, that you're sitting in right at the moment uh, was uh, built not only with the financial contributions of so many people, but also with their sweat. Because due to uh, some mistakes that were not of our own, we ran into financial problems, serious ones, and we basically had to finish the building of this church ourselves. And everybody jumped in and 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 helped and and uh we got it done there were enough skilled people in the church we could never have built it from the beginning but i mean we were able to get the church uh taken care of 
and everybody was excited about it. They were worn out, but they were excited about it. And I'm telling you, my heart is full of love <laughs> and gratefulness for this congregation. I believe that the, this church has still not seen its best hour. I believe this church is headed in the right direction. And I think it's going to take off when this COVID thing passes. And also, as things continue to get darker and darker in the world, more and more people are going to be seeking out the Lord. And we need to be there to introduce them uh, to Jesus. I think Scott has done an outstanding job of handling and leading this church through this very trying time. Uh, I'm glad I haven't had to make the decisions that he's had to make these last several months. Uh, he's been in some situations where it's darned if you do and darned if you don't. And, and uh, he's handled it, I feel like he's handled it very, very well. And then I want to say also to you on a personal level, I wasn't going to get emotional about this, because all I'm doing is looking at a camera and Matt standing behind it, but <laughs> I'm not doing so well at the moment. Um, I thank you for your prayers for the battle that we're fighting right now. Here again, what I would do without my wife and my kids, uh, this thing's as hard on Pam as it is on me. But I, uh, I'm going to tell you something. We're not quitting. Uh, we're not giving up. We need a miracle. But nothing is impossible with God. Absolutely nothing. And uh, I've said it so many times. What do people do that don't know Jesus? How do people even handle life? How do they even cope with life? I'm so grateful also to have a church family that knows how to pray. It's so common for somebody to say, oh, I'm thinking of you, I'm praying for you, and they don't even know the Lord. Their prayers aren't going anywhere. I'm just grateful to have a church family that knows how to pray and a swing in the sword with us, praying for us. I thank you so much. I love you all, and I implore you to follow Jesus with all your heart and continue to serve him wherever you have the opportunity. You know, to those of you that are watching this video right now from home, uh, as opposed to being in the building at the moment, I'm, I'm aware that some of you aren't attending services because of health concerns and because of the COVID thing, and, and I get it. But some of you could be here, but you found out it's simpler to stay at home and more comfortable to watch it in your PJs. <laughs> That's something I get to do <laughs> every Sunday. But anyway... Um, you know, I understand that we're all part of the universal body of Christ, and I get that. But most of the references in the New Testament are references to local churches, including the ones that Jesus talked about in the book of Revelation. And, uh, you know, your, your physical presence is needed in this room. Paul said not to neglect the assembling of yourselves, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and also the more as we see the day approaching. Friends, the day is approaching. The day of Christ's return is approaching. And I want to tell you right now that uh, <laughs> shortly after the birth of Living Word Family Church, which at that time was called Living Word Fellowship, hell itself could never have stopped us from meeting. It couldn't have. I mean, we had a spirit about us of determination. We had to have to survive, to even get this building built. 
nine years after we had been in that gymnasium. I'm telling you, no COVID could have stopped us, no bouncing basketballs in the hallway, no one softball players barbecuing outside the gym door, no lack of air conditioning, no furnace outages, no naked people popping up in the loft of the gym or half-naked people walking around behind the pulpit in front of the praise team. You'll have to ask somebody about that. Some people know that story. Um, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, none of that, none of that stopped us then. And none of that should stop us now. Nothing should stop us from being and gathering together. This is a huge sanctuary out in the balcony, and we can easily comply with the social distancing and the masks and all that. The place is very sanitized. There's room in this place for many more than what we have right now. As Pastor Mike would say, stir yourself up and get back here. You're missed. We need you. Sorry for the sermon. No, I'm not. I love you, Living Word Family Church. Happy 40th anniversary. God bless you, and God bless Living Word Family Church. Amen. Thank you. I can't guarantee you I won't get emotional. Um, I did fill this up, so you might be here a while. <laughs> Actually, I, I did a little bit on Wednesday night. If, for those of you who do watch the uh, video, you do watch the video, right? I'm, yeah, I'm pointing at you, no. <laughs> um, I had called Pastor Larry on Monday, and I said, I'm going to do a little reminiscing, which we always do. I mean, I don't know if those of you to visit with him and talk with him, I mean, he doesn't forget a thing, does he, Pam? Not a thing. But I told him, I said, I'd like to do a little something about our, Sandy and I's viewpoint of where we came from and how we got involved with Living Word Family Church. And he says, well, go for it. And he says, I'm going to do something that, you know, this was, he's going to do it. Well, you need to do this Sunday. I wasn't planning on doing it Sunday. In fact, I'm probably a little more nervous now than if I was preaching a sermon because uh, there were so many, so many things that go back, you know, that mine, it didn't only start 40 years ago. It started 45 years ago this, this, this spring when I uh, got born again in 1976 in a hotel room after I would always say I was down drinking a few adult beverages Nothing adult about adult, adult beverages, <laughs> you know. I found that out when you hug a, the toilet <laughs> after you've had a few adult beverages. But that's when it started that, you know, I was raised in a Christian home. I always say this. I, you've heard me say this before. I was kind of the black sheep, and I was more foolish than most because I waited 29 years to give my heart to the Lord. But it's, a, it's interesting uh, at that time, we were just a couple months away from having our first child, who's in the balcony right now, Allison. And uh, Sandy's mom. 
You never know how you can influence people. I'm not <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, if Pastor Larry can do it, I can too. But be forever grateful. Because she told Sandy, she says, you guys need to get in church. Now, she came out of a mainline denominational church, you know. She had no clue where this was going to end up 40 years later. But she wasn't opposed to it. But she says, you need to get in church. So we started. I might as well take these off. I don't need them anyway. Oh, you are out there. Are you out there? But uh, she said, uh, so we ended up, and she began to tell me, she said, we need to be in church, Sandy, that's what a good wife would do. And uh, we ended up in, and I'll just say it, with a local Methodist church. And uh, she was actually going more than I was, because I was working for the railroad, and I was gone back and forth. And, and, uh, but we got into this New Seekers Sunday school class. Well, we got in with these people that were spiritually hungry for the things of God, and they were all turned on to the Holy Spirit and the full gospel. They were, at that point in time, there were people like Pastor Larry and Pam Millis. Of course, we didn't know them. It was Pam and Larry back in, in those days. And uh, the Beatys and uh, the Dunkmans, uh, who've gone on to see, meet, see the Lord, and, and uh, McGays, and were instrumental in that. And Merle was in that, in that class, and he and Diane, and uh, which... I will have to say this about Merle because we go back for so long. I've known him longer than anybody in this room, over 50 years. And uh, anyway, good friends. So we got in this uh, new seekers class, and and we're uh, we're you know we're hungry for the things of God, but we certainly didn't understand everything that was going on. You know, I grew up in a church that was, would love the Lord and they were on fire for God, but they weren't quite full gospel. And uh, so it was, it was a little different. You know, we're here and we're going into this class and they're talking about the Holy Ghost and they're talking about listening to Kenneth Copeland on their tape. They had a little tape meeting they would do and different things. So it wasn't long after that and, and that uh, Millicent left for Ramah. Well, Richard Dunkman and uh, Norma, on Sunday night, we had it up at the Methodist Church. We had a room up there where it had already been started before that. Pastor Larry reminded me, because he doesn't forget a thing, <laughs> that he, it really wasn't started by Richard, but Richard was continuing. It was a Bible study and a, and a prayer meeting, and we were involved, and uh, Tom and Hope Radlift, who were here uh, last week, I don't know if you knew that or not, uh, they're in Colorado now, but they were part of that. And there's uh, uh, the Hales, Steve and Dee were there and some others. And we just loved the Lord. Now, listen, there was a spiritual hunger back then. And we need to cultivate that again. Amen. That's what it was. It was a spiritual hunger by a lot of people. And it was right in during the charismatic movement and, and renewal. And so we started doing that, and that went on for till Pastor Larry and Pam came back, and they started Bible study in their home, and uh, and we started attending those, and you couldn't get enough of it. I'm telling you, it was like the teaching was so rich, and man, this is all new. You know, sometimes you can get comfortable and complacent. Isn't it easy to do that? 
well, I've heard that before. I've heard that before. Well, give me something new. Give me something new. I'm telling you, we should be so thankful for what God has given us in his word. Amen? Not to, not to say, well, I've heard that. No. God, give me more. Be hungry for the things of God. In the natural, we're hungry, and we go eat. But really and truly, to be hungry in the spirit is when I've ate of his word, I've tasted of his goodness, I want more and more and more. Amen? It makes you hungry. Anyway, so uh, along about that time, it, 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 early, I don't know what, Pam, you might know, late 79, early 80, well, maybe in the middle of the 80, 1980, uh, they were holding Bible study in their, their home, and I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit that night, and uh, one night. And uh, it really and truly, I'm not moved by, you don't need to be moved by um, something that happened as emotional. But I, I, I don't know if you remember this, Pam. Certainly Pastor Larry did. It was like, see those lights, don't look at them, but see those lights up there? I was standing in a room with normal lights on, and it was almost like the lights came on. I mean, I'd never had anything like that since, really. It was just a... And, uh, Started, uh, went home, and Sandy says, there's something different. And, and, and there was, and a short time later, she just knelt down alongside of her bed and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence speaking in tongues. Praise God. So anyway, they, one night we were having, I forget what it was, um, uh, we were having a little get-together in the basement at the, the church, and Pastor Larry said, uh, came over to me, and he said, uh, well, we're wanting to start a church. And we knew that from the Bible studies and the prayer meetings and different things. And he says, I want you to be head usher. Would you be head usher in our church? And I thought, well, that isn't going to be too hard with 30, 35 people. <laughs> because it was 80 that first week, which you reminded me of that, too, because I couldn't remember. Well, we didn't have a building. And how many of you know that's when he mentioned Ken Beatty? Ken, Ken found a building, the old high school Ogden building. I don't know if we got any pictures of that. Over in, in Ogden, the old high school building, I think Pastor Laird actually played basketball there and uh, before when he was in high school. But So we got this building, and, and granted, we were on the stage the first number of weeks for quite a while, actually. And uh, we would have to go over, there would be, now you talk about ministry of helps, this is what he was talking about. There would be men get up at 5 and meet over there at 5, 5.30 in the morning. And we had all the stuff, the chairs, the, the piano, the, everything in a closet off the stage. And so we'd have to roll them out, put all the chairs out, line the chairs up, pull the, put a little pulpit stand up. And, and this was later after we got on the floor. But uh, all of that stuff we had to do. But what a time. You get to know people when you're working with them, you know. And so, anyway, that went on for a while, and we were on the stage for, for a while, and then there was a man named uh, Norman Williams. I said this, mentioned this the other night. He came to our church. He had been at Full Gospel. Full Gospel was going and growing. You couldn't get enough. Man, we'd go to Full Gospel. We'd go to Indianapolis to hear Brother Copeland and big meetings, wherever we could get in somewhere. You need to do that today. You need to get in. I mean, we all have televisions. We all have uh, ways of getting online to see different ministers. Get in the word and get around people that know the word and get excited about what God can do. But anyway, uh, we got on the floor because he came. He had been in a major plane crash in 1976 and survived it. 500 and some people were killed. Still the largest plane crash. Two planes ran together in the Canary Islands. 
And uh, he came to full gospel, and then normally after a full gospel meeting on Saturday night, they'd find a place for him to preach on Sunday. And they, so he came to our church, and we had to get on the floor because we were having a whole lot more people, 180 or 200 people. I forget what it was. It didn't matter, but it was enough that we couldn't be on the stage. So after that, somebody, I don't know, it was decided that we'd stay on the floor. Well, that's when we really began to grow. And just to remind you, the Hagans came, the, the pastor, or I mean, uh, Brother Hagan, and the Ramus Singers and Band came, and over 1,100 people in that little gym. Now, you're hungry when you get 1,100 people in a small gym. You think it gets warm in here? It was hot in that place. And they came, and it poured down rain. He, I think uh, we had people shuttling people back and forth. We had people parked all over Ogden. People didn't know what was going on, and the townspeople didn't. Well, we had those in, and the hunters came in. There was another uh, group, Charles and Francis Hunter, had a healing ministry. We had a number of, of revivals. I mean, it was just going and growing, wasn't it, Pam? But uh, so we, we were just hungry. Say, I need to be hungry. Amen. Amen. And uh, I'm trying to stay with my notes a little bit. And in this building, Pastor Larry mentioned this building, you know. Listen. Pastor Larry, I'm forever indebted to him but, and grateful for him. But when this building was being built, the bond company went under. And we were, he, like he said, many people had to help finish this building. But he was here morning, noon, and night almost, still ministering to the congregation and doing all the book work, trying to get a, the bond company to what we were going to do there. I'm telling you, it was a, more than a full-time job. And, and we're grateful for that. Now, let me find my notes here. We're in the new building. Long hours, the bond company. And I'm thankful for the old building. I'm thankful for the new building. But most of all, I'm thankful for the people down through the years. You know, we've, we've, we've met people and, and, saw, and got to know people for a short time and other people's for a lifetime. And uh, the ones that are here, we're family. We're, I mean, you know, we're family. We're perfect. How many of you know you're not perfect? Families aren't perfect. You don't always agree, but we're committed. And that was what... Pastor Larry and Pam were. The privilege of being a part of a wonderful church ministry, church family. Many have gone on, like he said. We've both done a number of funerals. Pastor Scott's done a number of funerals. It's a privilege to help people get through things. It's a privilege to help people be minister to people. You know, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. He wasn't only talking about money. Giving of yourself. Some are, like I said, here for a while and others for a lifetime. Thankful to God for Pastor Larry and Pam for giving up the opportunity to serve. This, this, well, in fact, I think it's this month, 29 years. The Lone Ranger in Tonto, 29 years I've been on staff. Maybe probably more than that, but officially on staff. And, uh, you know, Batman had Robin but I like to think it was more like Paul and Silas or Paul and Barnabas. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be Robin. <laughs> if you've ever watched it, I, I don't look good in tights. Uh, 
But we all have different things to contribute. You know, I wish I could wax eloquently, eloquently like Pastor Scott. I wish I could make, stand on my feet and make jokes. Pam, or, uh, Sandy used to tell me, don't try to be funny. <laughs> you know, but we all have something. God has in, 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 given us talents and abilities, but what does he reward? He rewards faithfulness. Amen? I'm thankful to God, and I'm thankful for Pastor Larry and Pam. Pastor Larry, a friend, a mentor, a pastor. It's really like, you know, someone, Merle put out a, a thing, who was maybe the, or on Saturday morning and uh, most instrumental in your life of learning the word and, and, and uh, bringing, you know, about the Lord. And I thought about that. I was thankful for my parents, and I was thankful that, you know, I'd heard over the years, I've heard a lot of people. I still follow a lot of people. I still, you know, some of my favorites are still the Word of Faith people that, you know, you know them. I mean, a lot of you know them. But the ones that was here on a day-to-day basis, Sunday, Wednesday, Monday through Saturday, was Pastor Larry. Pam and I... <laughs> We shared an office for a long time, and uh, iron sharpens iron. You need to get around people. That's why I talked about Merle. We need to have people in our lives that help us to continue on with what God has called us to do so we can be faithful. But he was like a teacher and a friend but, and, and definitely a pastor. How am I doing on time? I don't want to... Um, 40 years, I think back, it's easy to say, well, 40 years, but what will the next 40 years of the Lord Terry's be like? Will it be one that we've been faithful? I looked up some, uh, there's a number of scriptures. God says, I am God, I am the faithful one. (laughs) God is always faithful. But how many of you know we need to be faithful? Pastor Larry and Pam Faithful, committed, committed to God, committed to their family, committed to Living Word Family Church. I'm not, I think, and faithful to the call of God on their lives. Amen. Amen. It says over in 2 Timothy, Paul is about ready to wrap up his, his run, so to speak. And he says, I fought the good fight. You know what? Being in ministry is not easy sometimes. It really isn't. I mean, it, you... It is a fight sometimes, a fight to serve the Lord with faithfulness. How many of you know they say, I don't know the exact number, but there are hundreds of ministers that quit on a daily and weekly and a, a monthly and a yearly basis around this country. You better know you're called to do something, but do what you know to do. You know, I love the scripture that says, it says, do all you do as unto the Lord, not unto men, for it is he that rewards and repays over in Colossians. He's the one that repays us. He, for what? Oh, I was talented. I could really, oh, man, I could just do anything. I could wrap people around my finger just by talking. On the, no, no. You were faithful to do what he called you to do. You might be faithful to, to, to be in the ministry of helps doing something, clean the bathrooms or teach a class or or, or call some people on the phone and minister to them that way. That's faithfulness. 
faithfulness. But it goes on to say, I fought the good fight. I have run or finished the race. And you're not finished, Pastor Larry. But more than that, I've kept the faith. That's Pastor Larry and Pam Millis. I would say that right now. And I, you know, I didn't ask him to do this, but I guess I can do it. <laughs> How many of you know I've known these people since 45 years, almost 45 years? Do you realize that? Scott wasn't quite as big as he is now. <laughs> Pastor Scott, you know, and uh, Lisa and Lori, and, but Pastor Scott and Cheryl. And uh, so that, we go back a long way. But we're still faithful to go on with God. And so at this time, I just want to take a moment. I want you to stand up. Just stand up. I know he can't see us all around. But I want to say this. Thank you, Pastor Larry and Pam, for your faithfulness. Say it with me. Thank you, Pastor Pam, for your faithfulness. We love you. Pastor Scott. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Pastor Mike. You guys can be seated. And thank you for pointing out how I've grown up big and strong since you met our family. I knew that's what you meant. I knew that wasn't a fat job. Uh, I, I so appreciate, uh, as many of you do, the faithfulness of uh, mom and dad. Mike and Sandy, Ken and Carol, and so many of you. And I do uh, absolutely consider it a privilege to have been blessed with the opportunity to be a part of Living Word Family Church from the very beginning. Uh, not like we had a huge choice in the matter, uh, but I, I think I speak for my sisters as well. From pretty much from the get-go, at least going back to the move down to Rama, we really felt that we were being called as a family. Uh, we never felt, and not, not that we didn't miss it, there was, it was a crazy adjustment. You know, keep in mind that the official population of the whole town of St. Joe back then was 1,600 people. And we went to a school, Cheryl and I did, that was just freshman and sophomore. It was a brand new school, an intermediate high school, they called it. And there were 2,000 students in that school. Uh, I don't remember how many junior hires were at Sequoia, but uh, several, several hundred anyway there at a middle school. And it was a, it was a little bit of a culture shock. But it, I never felt like, oh, why is God doing this to us? And I hate my parents for going into the ministry. This wasn't our choice. We just figured. Uh, and, and I don't remember having long strategizing sessions where we worked through this as a family. God just saw us through it. And when we've had conversations like that with our kids. You know, they've, they've uh, chafed under some, uh, some perceived and some actual extra scrutiny that they endure uh, for being pastor's kids. And... Uh, you know, have to remind him that, uh, I know you didn't choose this, but God knew what he was doing when he put you in our family. This really is a family affair. Uh, and and we, we always considered it that way. But we, um, but we, we were also old enough to appreciate the quality of people that God was bringing into Living Word Family Church, Living Word Fellowship at the time, to come alongside mom and dad. And uh, what, a, what a pleasure it's been 
to see the growth of this church and, and, and walk through all this. It's been, uh, uh, I also want to say something, though. Uh, even though there have been a few, uh, many of you have been here for many, many years. And I appreciate your faithfulness. Many of you now grew up in this church. You were much younger uh, when you started coming, and I'm so thankful that you're still here. I did want to take just a few minutes to say something to those of you who've become part of our community of faith in more recent years, and I'll give you just a little bit of background. I'm not going along with this at all, really, believe me. It's like, come on, we've already heard two. How many more? How, how long are you going to take? You, you, got all, you got all year to preach, Pastor Scott. Now, I'm not preaching. I'm just going to share a couple things. When I moved to, uh, I was a youth pastor here for 10 years, and I went to Farmer City uh, as a, on an interim basis, Pastor Brad Dawson had passed, and uh, they kind of needed some, uh, somebody to come in and, and uh, take the pulpit uh, for a limited time while they did a pastor search. And so uh, Beth and I and the kids started driving over there on Sunday mornings. It turned out to be a good fit, so we moved over there and uh, began our six-year journey as senior pastors at, at Victory Christian Center. And uh, and it was a wonderful time. Great, great people. Not as good as you guys, but pretty good. Just in case anyone's watching this, I love you guys at Victory. Uh, but, uh, but Pastor Brad was an awesome man. He, he, was, he was a very much a relationships guy. And so obviously, uh, in that sense, it was stepping into some, some pretty big shoes. You know, you can't replace a guy who spent his lifetime building relationships with a, with a community. Uh, but I never, I never felt like I had to be Pastor Brad. You know, I was never going to... Uh, you, you can't. You can't. Uh, people leave a hole in your life when they leave you. So you know, tragically, like he did, kind of died young. And uh, but I, I only bring him up because from time to time, quite often, as a matter of fact, uh, people would participate. You know, come up with a word, either a word from the Lord or just a word of encouragement, a testimony. And many times, because Pastor Brad had invested so much in that congregation, they would quite appropriately, I might add, say, as Pastor Brad would always say. Remember how Pastor Brad taught us this. Well, and I thought it was great, never thought anything about it until a young couple that had really begun to get plugged into the church came to me one day and said, I don't know if there's anything that needs to be done about this. I'm just giving you this from our perspective. As newcomers to this church, every time somebody gets up and talks about Pastor, talks about Pastor Brad, we feel like second-class church members because we weren't part of that crowd. And I know that's not how it's meant, but all, all, all he was saying was you want to be careful about referring too much to the past. What am I saying? That there is, that that's not what this is about. It's about recognizing a couple of things, that we would not be here as a church today if not for the faithfulness of those early members of Living Word Family Church. At the same time, to God be all the glory. Because those of us who were there from the beginning ought to be very careful to recognize that here is my claim. God used me. Who's building the church, the church at large? Jesus is, right? What are we? Living stones. He's the one that's placing us. And, it, and really, ultimately, all we get to say is, I didn't fight it. I let Jesus put me in the church where he saw fit to put me. Right? All glory be to God. So again, we would not be here today except for the faithful involvement, the obedience of those mentioned and many, many others, but we will not be here tomorrow if similarly those of you here today don't remain faithful, plugged in, and working and giving and serving like those in the early days. I'm talking to the youth, 
but I'm also talking to those of you who have joined us more recently. There is a place for you. There is work for you to do. Uh, and as Pastor Mike mentioned, Merle had a great exercise for us at men's prayer yesterday where we just went around the room and answered three simple questions about what got us to living word and how we got involved and, and who, who were influential people. Uh, and everybody just took a minute or two, but that's such a good thing to do, just to remember how we got connected with God, how we got connected with a local church and one another. And for me, anyway, the most exciting part about listening as we went around the table is just how huge a role relationships had in so many of those stories. Yeah, we had some big events, but what was responsible in terms of evangelistic outreach was, more than anything else was a guy I worked with kept telling me about church, neighbor moved in, started telling me about church, somebody invited me. This, and how hard is that? Uh, or why, if it's hard, why is it hard? Why is it so hard to, if, if somebody's close to us, but they're not, uh, they're not believers or they don't have a church, is there some reason why we shouldn't be pestering them to come with us or at least reminding them, hey, invitation's always open. How about I pick you up? Whatever. That's, that's the best way to grow a church, by the way. Uh, those early days absolutely were special times. We've said, I've said this before, I, I know I, I, I've said it uh, when we were going through the book of Acts, when people, they try to say, well, we're doing church wrong because here's how they did it in Acts chapter 4 or in the early church. And I'm always quick to respond, what Acts tells us is how they did it. It's not a prescription for how we do it today. I mean, people will use the book of Acts to say you shouldn't have church buildings because they met house to house back then. They didn't have the opportunity. They didn't have the option of meeting in a church back then. All right? We do things. We see, we, we, obviously, there's good doctrine to pull out of the early church days, and there are things that we need to remember about the early days of this church because they were special. I also want you to remember that there, it, is, it is biblical and proper, therefore, to remember and even recite, you know, to formally remember as, we, as we're doing today, basically laying aside a service, uh, setting aside a service for the purpose of remembering uh, and, and celebrating these 40 years. That is what Psalm 136 is. That's the one where every other line is, His mercy endures forever. Oh, praise God. Give thanks to the Lord. For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. And uh, it goes on and on, but it's, it, instead of just being a praise, it starts recounting verse by verse God's history with Israel. He did this, he did this, he did this, he did this, he did this. His mercy endures forever. And the reason for that. And the reason that was part of their worship, you know, the Psalms were basically their, their hymnal. Uh, it wasn't for the, certainly wasn't for the purpose of reminiscing about the good old days. Ah, you guys weren't here when we fought this war, were ya? You guys weren't here when we witnessed God doing this, were ya? No, uh, it was certainly not too long for the days when God had been so good to them, was it? It's a reminder that he had never been anything but good to them. And that gives us the confidence, the knowing that he will never be anything but good to us. I said, God will never be anything but good to us. 
He has never been anything but good to us. So as we wrap up this celebration of what God has done in our midst uh, over the last 40 years, let's get excited about what he has planned for us this year. And if the Lord tarries the next 40 years, what does that mean for today? It means you've got to be willing to be a part of it. Please. Today starts the fast. I want this to be a spiritual exercise. And it's, uh, I'm not going to say much about it today because we went a different direction. And we've got, we do have three more weeks to talk about this. But, but I do rem- uh, I want you to remember the pattern that I have seen over the last few years, in my life anyway, is that three weeks is a pretty good time, a pretty good length of time for a church-wide fast like this. Because a lot of that first week, uh, at least if you have a carnal streak in you like I do, uh, sometimes it takes more, uh, most of that first week just to get used to the fact that I'm, I'm doing without such and such. You know, it, it pains me to think that pizza will not enter this body for 21 days. And, and not just pizza, by the way. I'm fasting a number of things. Uh, and it's going to be tough thinking about that, you know, when, when the hunger pangs strike. It's so easy to throw one of those top-quality, delicious Totino's crisp and tasty party pizzas into the <laughs> toaster oven. Uh, and just to stop thinking about how good it would be, how much I miss that. And then on the last week, especially the last three or four days of, uh, of the t- 21 days, then you kind of start thinking again about, ooh, Four more days, three more days, and I can eat that. You start stocking up on all the food you're going to be able to eat in three days. And so, so that, that, that middle, you know, after the first few days and before the last few days, that's where the fast can be really good. When you're just in that zone, thinking about what you're supposed to thinking about. Uh, I said last week something I always say, which is a fast is, in this case, laying aside something natural in pursuit of something supernatural. The other thing I always say that I don't think I said last week is a fast is not to get God's attention on me. It's to get my attention on God. A fast doesn't make God say, oh, look, uh, it's a hunger strike. I'd better do what he wants me to do. No, uh, it keeps my mind. It reminds me that I need to be pursuing him more wholeheartedly. So I'm encouraging you, join us in that fast. I think most of you have decided to do that and decided what you're going to do. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, But also, join a small group. It's not too late for that. If you, uh, small groups have started, and I've heard nothing but good things about how they've gone. Ours went great. Uh, and we, but we've got space for you somewhere. If you want to be part of a small group and aren't yet, I really encourage you to do that. That's where those relationships are really fostered. Another thing we really would like you to do is consider serving in children's ministry. All right? Now, if you have already reached out to Lisa and Lisa, and they've got your name. You don't need to see them today. They'll be out there in the, at the info desk on the right uh, as you leave today. But we do need some more help. Uh, before we can launch this thing, I want you to know we are not blowing this off. We are still moving toward getting back into children's ministry. We still need a few more hands. And if you, can, if you would consider doing that, please. And if you won't consider doing that, would you please ask yourself why you won't consider doing that? All right? Uh, this is the, one of the things that really got Living Word, uh, I mean, one of its, its claims to fame was first-class children's ministry. We want to be able to offer that again. And I know it's a tricky time, but there, there are things that, we are, uh, that we're working toward, and Lisa and Lisa will do a better job of explaining that and letting you know exactly where you can serve. Please stop by and at least talk to them today. And uh, 
there's other things through the week. You know, because of what we're still dealing with uh, for the time being, we are sanitizing uh, in between church use, and that has become a bigger job with small groups. If you can come in some days uh, or some e- uh, mornings or evenings and, and, and help us to keep this place uh, uh, sanitized between meetings, we will find a time for you to do that. There is something for everybody to do. And it's not about making this church last another 40 years. It's about continuing to be used by God during what is clearly a crucial time in history. Right? So, I'll ask you this. Go ahead and stand up again. Praise worship team. You can be coming up here. Uh, first of all, m- much as thankful as we are to God for this building, for this body of believers, for the family of Living Word Family Church. Uh, that is, we are just one expression of Christ's church in the world. And for us to be a member of his church, we must be born again. We are none of us fit for the kingdom, none of us fit for his temple or to be a part of his temple unless we have been cleansed from sin, been made new. So I I need to ask you that. I mean, every one of us is facing an eternity. I shared this again briefly at men's prayer yesterday. That It's like, you know, how old were you when you... uh, when you first started thinking about God or things of God. And I have long as long as I can remember, long as I can remember having conscious thought, and, and I owe my mom uh, more than anybody else for that. She instilled those, those thoughts uh, in our minds. But, but one of the things that I remember from as young as I, at least as, as young as seven, that I always remember being very, very aware of, uh, is there really is a heaven and there really is a hell. And it's forever. And I didn't have the deep theology. I couldn't wax eloquently when I asked the questions. I simply pondered them, and I worried. Uh, How do I know? How can I know? What would happen if I died tonight? I needed to know. I needed to know a lot more than that, but that's the only thing I knew I needed to know. And when that question got answered, there was no question about, can I follow Jesus for the rest of my life? Oh, yes, I can. Please, Lord, come into my life. Save me. It wasn't a very sophisticated prayer, but I know God heard me and I know God saved me that day. There have been decisions to make since then. There have been, we've, there have been times when he uh, takes me aside, as he did the disciples, count the cost. Are you going to travel on with me? We all need to do that, but it starts with a decision. It starts with a recognition that you need a Savior. If you've never quite recognized that or you've never submitted to his lordship because that's probably the most succinct statement in the Bible about salvation is simply this. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Does anybody need to make that confession and express that belief today? Scott, today, I desire to become a Christian. I need to be saved. Anybody? saved and you've been coming here and you've not yet uh, joined as a member, that has nothing to do with your spiritual destiny, but we would love for you to uh, make that connection official and join us uh, to be a, a, an actual member, not just uh, an attendee. So if, you are, if you're interested in membership, see me after church and we'll get you hooked up. It's very simple materials you have to go through and 
just a statement of faith you have to agree with and sign. Uh, we would love for you to be to join us officially. Meanwhile, I'm going to close in prayer. And uh, well, let me, let's, let's just tie this all together. We'll take up, uh, remind you about the offering. Of course, we're not receiving the offering like by passing buckets, but there are receptacles out there. If you need a, uh, an envelope, if you're giving cash, wave your hand and usher will get you one. I know an awful lot of you just put that in on your way in, and that's fine. Uh, if you're writing out a check, make it out to Living Word Family Church. I'll pray over the offering now, too. And then we are going to sing the blessing. I think that's an appropriate way to end this service, remind ourselves that his blessing is upon us and something to pursue. And what's your most, the most important part of you singing this song, since the, the, the song is actually a, pronounce, a, a pronouncing of God's blessing on you, what's your most important part? Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So be it, so be it, so be it. Let that be for me. Somebody laughed because you thought I was going to say all women, didn't you? No? All right, all right. So... So praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness. That your tender care and your goodness and your mercy endure forever. That you have proven yourself faithful in the lives of your people down through the ages. Lord, you have certainly proven yourself faithful to us. Living Word Family Church in St. Joseph, Illinois. We are so thankful for the record of faithfulness that is represented right here in this room today. And we are excited about what you have planned for us tomorrow, next week, next year, and until Jesus comes. We believe we're going to hear your voice more and more clearly, that you're going to fill us more and more with your holy boldness to go out and be obedient to, to your word. And we will see lives changed, lives saved in these days and weeks and years to come because of what you're doing through us right here at Living Word. Thank you for saving us, Lord. Thank you for healing us, for providing for us. And we recognize now, Lord, as always, that every, every blessing in our life comes from you, that you are our supply, and it's our pleasure and our privilege to give back, to return a portion of that uh, to you with which you've so generously blessed us, to honor you with our tithes and offerings. We do this cheerfully, Lord, and we do it expectantly, knowing that you have promised to multiply it back to us so that we can give again. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your provision, your protection, your healing, your goodness. In Jesus' name, all the believers said, amen. God bless you. You give. Thanks for listening. We hope that this message encouraged and equipped you in your walk with Christ. Make sure to follow us on Facebook or Instagram to stay updated with what's going on at Living Word Family Church. Have a great day.